Welcome back, everybody, and welcome back to the UFC. Boy, have we missed it, haven't we? We have got some fights to talk about. Yes, we do. For the first time in four weeks. Episode 58 of the Below Average Joe's MMA Podcast. Uh, Thank you all for joining us on this, what's the start of a grind? Six episodes in ten days, Dominic Salih. How you doing? How you feeling? Doing good. I'm so happy to be back covering some fights. We couldn't start it off any better than this main event we've got here with UFC Fight Island 7. Uh, How's life, Noah? You know, you've got some new endeavors. Let the people well, know. yeah, I, I just started in, uh, my next, I guess you call it internship. Yeah. Um, on Monday, so uh, going well so far. Really enjoy the company. It's a lot. It's a lot shorter of a drive for yeah, me. Yeah. For those of you that don't know, I spent from August to about a week and a half ago now. Or no, I guess it's been about a week now. Uh, I would drive eighty minutes. To work and home. Yes. Every day. That's just brutal. Yep. But, you know, I'm, you know, it's it's a unforeseen year. Yeah. Uh, so. You got to take what you can get. Unforeseen problems require unforeseen solutions, right? Ah, very interesting. So, just out there grinding, no different than anybody else, obviously. Some people yeah. have had it a lot worse, but um, I'm definitely happy to be driving about 20 minutes yeah. to work. I sh- shaved off a whole hour. Yeah. No more waking up at 4.30 in the morning nope. and all that. Now I wake up at a crisp 6.30. Yes, yes. Two <laughs> but, more hours. Yeah, but it's good. Um, I'm happy. Uh, working from home on Friday. So when you guys, I'll be at home. So um, I'll be actually probably listening to this episode while I'm doing my thing, you know. Yeah, so hit us up. Have a discussion about this. Yeah, so hit me know? up. <laughs> while, while you're listening to this right now. Yes, yes. Text me. Yeah, and say I just heard you. DM me. I just heard you to tell us to text you, and I'm texting you. Yeah. That's what they should say. Yeah. But anyways, we're glad to be back. But before we get into the card that we have headlined by Max Holloway and Calvin Cater, Dominic, you know what time it is. It's time for the news. The news. Let's start with our fight announcements. Right into it. we got some big ones. Uh, Three of these happening on the same card. (laughs) But... <clears throat> but we've been doing chronological order right, here, right, uh, right. so probably the biggest one of all of these is one we're going to talk about first. UFC 259. This is the card that's already got Jan Blahovich defending his light heavyweight belt against Adesanya, and uh, Megan Anderson trying to uh, take the women's featherweight strap from Amanda Nunes, the GOAT. Yes. They're adding a third title fight here for Three UFC 259. Fights. is happening on March 6th. Peter Yan, oh, yeah. the Bantamweight champion of the world, making his first title defense against Aljamain Sterling. Finally, we're getting it. Hopefully. That, well, yeah, fingers <laughs> crossed. Yeah, okay, let me let me reword it. Finally, they committed to booking it. Yes. <laughs> Which I think they kind of booked it. They did book it for the end of the year, UFC 256. December 12th, yeah. Um, so I guess they already kind of did, but um, you just never know, like... Uh, they they never seem to want to commit to uh, Sterling. Like Dana wouldn't come right out and say he was the number one contender. And then when the book when the when the fight fell through at the end of the year, I started getting a little worried about maybe T.J. Dillashaw yeah. whose suspensions up at the end of the month, maybe getting that shot. But 
good news. We get the fight that needs to happen, that we want to see happen. So, uh, yeah, give your thoughts here. I know you're big on Sterling, so. Yeah, I mean, I, I just can't wait to see this fight. I don't even want to go into it much because I just want it to happen. Yeah, I, I mean, want we, to get I know the fight ta- week. Yeah, I know we've talked about it before. Um, but, I mean, stylistically, this is has a, so many great things that could happen here for both guys, you know. Peter Jan's really trying to prove himself here. A lot of people still kind of saying he's the uncrowned champion, really, because he beat Jose Aldo, Aldo to become the champ. It's like, right. uh, was that even a warranted title yeah, fight? And, you know? and there's always there's always going to be some people, and I don't want to act like it's a lot because it's a dumb argument saying that until he beats Dillashaw because Dillashaw right. never really right. never got beat. So either. this is this is a lot to prove here for Jan and for Sterling. Five fight win streak now, so much deserving of this opportunity. That forty or what a minute win over Sanhagen, yeah, something crazy. Is, yeah, very quick. So this should be a very interesting fight. The way it plays out, your guess is as good as mine. But mm-hmm. just hopefully we get to fight week and it's still on the agenda. Hey, UFC two fifty nine though three, three title, title fights plus. I mean, there's other incredible. Uh, Dominic Cruz, Casey Kenny's on that card. <laughs> it's looking like it's going to be on the... Uh, Tiago Santos, I think, is on that card. Mm. I think. Maybe not. Uh, isn't that the... No, I Maybe it's the so. week before. There's a lot of really good fights on this card. I don't know how they're going to determine who's going to make the cut for the main card, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, it's just crazy when a guy like Dominic Cruz, who co-mained in his last fight for a belt against yeah. Cejudo, looks like he's about to be coming off the prelims. Yeah, I mean... If they, it, you know what I'd love if they gave us a little six fight main card action with three title fights, you know. Joseph Benavidez, Askar, Benavidez, Askar, Askarov, yeah. Um, actually, you're right. Ray Kitchen, Tiago Santos. Shit, buddy. I thought that was a fight night. Wow. So, Song Yadong, Kyler Phillips. Yeah. T- good luck making that main card. Kai Kara France, Rogerio Bonturon, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Uh, yeah, there is a lot of good. Oh, Islam Makachev, Drew Dover. It's two cards. Dude, it's. <laughs> That's too much. So, but I'm here for it. 6-5 main card, please? Please, and thank you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm I'm very excited for that card and for this fight. You know, it's it needed to happen. It's going to happen. And I like to see it get placed on such a big event. Yeah. It's like it's going to be. For sure. Now, a week after. Oh, <clears throat> we, we, got, we got back-to-back bangers. Back-to-back-to-back. This is true. All three happening March 13th. I'm going to start. With the one that's going to be the lowest of the three on the card, I would say. Ryan Hall. This is actually probably the freshest story. Hot off yeah, the, the press. Hot off the press today. Ryan Hall. The guy who. <laughs> we. <laughs> look. <laughs> you. Leap years happen more than Ryan Hall fights. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he is booked here against Dan Ige. And you know, this is a fight that I believe we've even gone back and forth on on saying that. Probably. You know, that this should happen. Um. Ige has definitely, he was given such a big opportunity off a controversial win over Barboza against Cater, came up short. Um, so he's still really hungry right now. And that shows by going up against probably the most dangerous guy in the division. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> the guy nobody wants to fight, Ryan Hall. He's on a four-fight win streak coming into this. But the problem is. You're talking about fought, Ryan Hall. Yeah, Ryan Hall. Yeah. He fought December 3rd, 2016. Then he fought again December 29th, 2018. Mm-hmm. Then he fought July 13th, 2019. And here we are now. It's going to be March 2021. Here's That's the problem. Yeah. A whole mixture of things. People not wanting to fight him. Injuries. I get it. But damn. This guy's been, you know, 
delayed for such a long time. Who knows where this guy could be right now yeah. if he was as active as these other guys. And then Ige, you know, coming off wins over Bektik, Vin Barboza, just lost to Cater, uh, Contender Series alum. Everybody yeah. loves the Contender Series guys, myself included. This is a fun fight. A uh, tough fight for Ige, though, I got to say. Yeah, it's – Ryan Hall has just been one of those guys that we've yet to really see him uh, – I don't know. We haven't really seen him be even threatened, really. Yeah. Like, he, he tends to get... He's gotten a lot of favorable matchups against a lot of aging guys. Or not necessarily aging. I mean, BJ Penn being the one I'm thinking of there. But he's gotten a lot of fights against guys who were kind of at a crossroads in their career. Mm-hmm. And they just needed, like, some... They needed, like, a... What, what would you call it? A, a Like, a, just a chance to bounce back so they're desperate in yeah. a way. And that's perfect because Ryan Hall's the guy nobody wants to fight, so you yeah. put him up against him. So he's really not been, you know, he, we know he's all about the ground. Um, he even kind of controversially uh, was in one of his fights, he did the, like, pull guard about mm-hmm. a dozen times. Um, that was a bit controversial. But Ige is the guy that's going to bring the fight, and ideally you would see more stand-up then, but uh, who knows... Ryan Hall has a great ability to get to the ground. He's so just seamless in his transitions. And uh, just watch out, Ige. All of a sudden, Ryan Hall's flipping around your body and you're in a freaking knee bar. Your knee's bending the opposite direction. Yeah. Um, But I'm happy to see this matchup. And Ige proved a lot against Cater, even though he lost. um, Because I wasn't really buying into him yet because I thought he lost to Barboza. Um, Even though he lost to Cater, he, he showed a lot of heart. He... I think uh, he even got a skill. round or two as Yeah, well. probably a round. Um, that was a big step up for him, oh, regardless yeah. of Barboza fight. But, you know, this is a this is a meaningful fight for both a guys. A big test for both. Yeah. yeah, so I'm very excited for that. Now, what's going to be our, I'm assuming, co-main event? This, this is probably boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Honestly. Uh, at heavyweight. Surreal Gone. I called you? this one, baby. Yeah, so Surreal Gone, who we just saw uh, knocking out Junior Dos Santos at yes, UFC sir. 256. Um, he's in the top 10 now. Looking like a real threat and right now. He's in the top 10, and he is shooting for the top five. Mm-hmm. And that's because his next matchup is going up against Jarzinho Rosenstroik. And yes, you were the one that called this. I'm going to let you give your thoughts then first. It j- just the way that they're progressing with Ghani here throughout his career. So, you know, he goes, you know, unraked a guy in Dante Mays, then a Tanner Bozner who, or P- Bozer, who's relatively new like himself, but was right there in that 15-ish. Then he goes to a JDS who's on a three-fight skid, but still top-ranked. Now, boom, you're cracking. He's ranked seventh now, cracking into the top five with number three, Rosenstroik. Um, for Rosenstroik, he had just beaten JDS's. Oh, my gosh, I just started playing a fight. Um, he is coming off a win against JDS as well, but before that, KO'd by Francis Ngannou. So again, both these guys coming off wins over the same guy, vote, both via KO, TKO. It makes the most sense for both guys in the division. We've got Blades and Lewis scheduled, and Ngannou is more than likely fighting Francis. What's the next logical step here for Ngannou? Rosenstroik or an Overeem? Uh, you didn't hear what you just said. Oh, no. You said Ngannou is scheduled to fight Francis. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> hey, the way Francis is looking right now, that might be the only that's guy. The only who can guy beat him. That's the only guy who can beat him. 
Francis is scheduled to fight Stipe more than yeah. likely. Yeah. So, you know, it was either a Volkov here uh, and Overeem, but they're fighting each other as well, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they are. So that's the only logical guy left. It's a wonderful co-main event for Gane. He can really take that next step here, put himself right into title contention. Uh, this fight really does have fireworks all over it here. It does. Um, I like both these guys. You know, Rosenstroik definitely had a big setback against Nganu. He kind of called a shot, considering he had that five-round war with Overeem, yeah. a fight that he was pretty much... He was going to lose, I thought probably. he was going to lose. Uh, it could have been, you know, it could have went either way, but I thought he was losing the fight. Throws a Hail Mary right hand that drops Overeem. <laughs> like, that was an awesome finish to the fight. Like I've never seen a guy that big drop so fast. And yes, he did get right back up, but his lip was completely split. His lip was running out of the octagon. Dude, it was just, I mean, it literally looked like you unz- like if you unzipped your pants yeah. right now, yeah. that's what his lip looked like. It was disgusting. Yeah. But he's shown a lot of power, obviously. And for Gane, he's got, what we saw against Dos Santos was mostly leg kicks. Yeah, Gane's striking really was. He's got, he's definitely got. The higher ceiling of these two fighters, I believe. However, this is a big test for it's him. It's a big test for him, you know. A younger Santos, guy that's still on the come up. Dos Santos never really landed much of a shot. Yeah. We really get to see Gane get landed on. Um, he does love to keep it at range. You got to wonder if Rosenstroik can land one. What, yep. what, you know, heavyweight, you never know. And I mean, you know, Rosenstroik's only lost once, and that was the Agane. Other yeah. than that, he's been perfect, and Gane is 7 and 0. This is a really perfect fight here mm-hmm. right, in the heavyweight division and it's really it says a lot for you know who could be up next because what if one of these guys has a really convincing win and the blades lewis one's a little eh they could yeah. literally hopscotch you know and get the next title shot you just never know i say that all the time it's about how you perform in these fights no matter what that number is next to your name true so ghana could come in here ko rosenstroik in round one and hey hey stipe and ghana i'll be waiting hey john jones you want to I'll, I'll welcome you to the division <laughs> You, you want to tune up? You want to tune up? Yeah, so I can't wait for this fight. Uh, this fight night's incredible, and you're going to cap it off right here. Yeah, this main event, um, we've talked about it quite a bit. 18 but times at least. Uh, rescheduled for a third Third time? time's the charm is what they say. Hopefully. Leon Edwards, Hamzat Chimaev, the headliner, March 13, 2021. Um, all that's really left to be said for me is that the, the more and more that this fight you know, is put off, it, you know, I get it. I think it's good. Both guys ended up with COVID. Put it a couple months out. Let them heal up. I want to see both these guys at 100%. I don't want there to be any asterisks mm-hmm. in people's eyes or whatever. They probably still will be no matter what. But it's obvious that Hamza is the one that's being given that shot here. He's being, you know, that Conor McGregor-like rise, you yeah. know, where he's being given that opportunity to just go. Literally, he was given a 15 spot, essentially. just To make this fight. Yeah. Yeah. And he's going up against the number three guy in the division. And Leon Edwards is a killer, very underrated. And the more that this fight, you know, that has, has gone on without happening, I actually think Leon Edwards stands to gain Benefiting. just as much. Yeah, yeah. And that's why people were not happy, including Leon himself, that this fight was being pushed. Leon basically refused to accept it, and they dropped him from the rankings, and then he kind of rescinded that and took it. I think he stands to gain a lot from this if he wins. Uh, if he wins, 
you just beat the biggest prospect the UFC has had since yeah. essentially Conor McGregor. Stop their hype train. Um, and then you're literally staring at a title shot in my eyes. You would have to think. Well, obviously Hamzad has everything to gain here. Oh I mean, yeah. You know, but also he kind of does have something to lose. I mean, think about it. If he loses, people, you know, the obvious take is going to be okay. He was pushed too soon, yeah. so you just bring him along a little slower. But he, I don't know if he'll ever be able to replicate this kind of rise, this kind of hype, you know, if he loses. People don't really think about that. Yeah. You know, when you lose one, and I, and I know with, like, Connor, it didn't happen. You know, when he lost to Nate, he didn't necessarily, like, it didn't halt his momentum when mm-hmm. he bounced back and all that. But you just never know how it's going to go. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, how is uh, Edmund Shabazzian going to bounce back? You know? it's I mean, people like already kind of talked him like he's... Like he's done. You yeah. Know? So same with uh, Corey Sanhagen for a yeah. while had that after Daljo lost. You just you don't know kind of how the how the the public how the media how mm-hmm. they're going to spin things. Um, so I think both guys stand to gain a lot and lose a lot. Here. Yeah, for sure. And that's why I love this fight. I think people are definitely not sleeping on it. I think a lot of people are excited for it, but I think that not enough people are respecting the matchup. Mm-hmm. Is it is it, is it is it is it the matchup I would pick for Edwards? Probably not, you know, because I like to respect rankings, and I'd probably put him up against a Wonder Boy, Wonder Boy or someone. Yeah. But he wouldn't take that fight. So right. yeah, here you are. Here we are. It sucks. Uh, it's kind of crazy because Hamza was on such a tear, three fights in sixty days, and now it's like, oh damn, where Hamza at? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, but... you got to know once you get, and we've talked about this. It's easier when you're outside the rankings to just fight more frequently. Yeah, you, you just uh, more you guys are available. As much. You're just I mean, ready to work your ass off like, and crack There's the no way Kevin Holland's going to fight more times this year than he did in 2020. Right. And now I'm not saying he should. I mean, he's right. Five. You have to when you crack those rankings and have a number next to your name. You have to be very strategic mm-hmm. in what your next move is. Yeah. Because one bad step, that number's going to go by. Well, once you're past 15, there's no rankings, so everybody's on the yeah. same platform. Yeah. Regardless of if you're making your debut or you're a guy like. Well, Kevin Holland before he beat Jockey, yeah, where exactly. he was on that tear, but um, still unranked, still unranked. So you can be active because you have literally over 500 fighters after. The yeah, it's rankings. even like uh, a guy we're going to talk about later, uh, Joaquin Buckley, is kind of in that position right now yeah. that we're going to see. So, yeah, it's, it, I can't wait for this fight. I really just hope it happens. And like I said, or and you, this is all one fight night here, March 13th. Ryan Hall, Danny Gay, Gane, Rosenstreich. Headlined by Edwards Chemayev. Uh, one week after a three-title fight, freaking pay-per-view. March is looking very nice Looking right now. very nice. Uh, so that's all for our fight announcements. As for the rest, finally kind of getting an update on Tatiana Suarez. You know, Dom, I, Dom being the big, fan. the big fan, the female Habib, as you so often describe her as. Uh, the last we heard about her, was when she was removed from the women's strawweight rankings yep. due to inactivity. Mm-hmm. Injuries have really just plagued her forever. Yeah. Uh, she, it's basically been confirmed she's looking to return in late spring, early summer. Any thoughts on that? I mean, I think you throw her right in top five. You kind of have to. She left when she was number three. Uh, you know, I think I her know. versus like a Claudia Gadella, you know, even Michelle Watterson because she was supposed to fight this month. I'm just trying to line it up here with people that would be available. Uh, Joan and Jan's a really good prospect. Now ranked third, took her spot, and then of course the fight I mentioned on this or that. Her and Joanna would be very fun to me. 
Um, but I think you do give her top ten undoubtedly. And if you want to get real wild and crazy, go ahead and give her you know a number three, number two. It just depends on what the UFC wants to do with her. But first and foremost, make sure that the neck is healthy. That's very bad place, obviously, to get injured. So I just hope she's at a full 100% because when she is, she's literally unbeatable. I mean, she is undefeated right now, and um, this really could be a future champ in, in my opinion. So I'm just excited to hopefully see her back this year and hopefully a, a relatively big fight to welcome her as well. Yeah, I don't know if she'll even get top 10. She, she should. She probably should. Uh, it's 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 tough to predict. They did remove her from the rankings. Not that they, not that they always go off the rankings, obviously. But and that um, was just based off of the inactivity. Yeah, you just have to things. wonder: do they? How are they going to treat the situation? Mm-hmm. Right? Are they going to? And how is Tatiana looking at her situation? Again, she her grappling heavy style, the biggest kryptonite when it comes to the body, like your own body as a grappler. Yeah is the neck. That's why so many wrestlers, because you're constantly having your neck cranked on and everything, they have so many neck problems. Kurt Angle. Yeah. yeah. Was like, he had won a gold medal with a broken freaking neck. Broken freaking neck. So, for her, you know, what does she want to do? Does she want to ease back into it? Does she want to go straight for, okay, what's the biggest fight that can get me closest right. to a title shot? It, on, on paper... You go, well, of course she's going to go for the one that gets her closer to a title shot. But it's not always that simple. She knows her situation better than we do. Right. Her team knows her situation better than we do. They're going to know, okay, maybe she's not at 100% yet. Maybe we need to get a a fight that she can not, like, walk over. Because the women's strawweight's very stacked. Mm -hmm. And um, even at the back of the top 15, you got a lot of really good fighters. Oh, yeah. But... Maybe they look for one that's just, it's less of a risk or less of a, I don't know, less of a killer's row, maybe. Someone who maybe is just a, a more uh, match-up well for Tatiana, someone like that. So I could totally see it going either way, um, but ideally you give her top ten if she's ready for it. For sure. Next, Diego Sanchez, the OG. Legend, really. The first ever Ultimate Fighter winner, along with Forrest Griffin, yep. back in 2005. The nightmare. Yep. He says his next UFC fight will be his last. Now, there's a lot you can talk about with Diego Sanchez. More recently, a lot of negative things you can say. And that's unfortunate. It is. And uh, I, I don't know where to start. Let me start by saying that I have so much respect for Diego Sanchez, for the fact that he is one of the, you know, the OGs. He's the last of an era. Yeah. I like, mean, literally. They can, we haven't seen Forrest Griffin fight in the UFC in a decade. Yeah. While he won the same same tournament, ultimate, man. yeah, the same tournament in a different division that Diego did, and Diego's still fighting. And pretty active. Really? Yeah. He fights I mean, a and, good and amount. And honestly, it's not like he loses all the time. Yeah, and he, he fights like... Good, good fighters. Yeah, you know there was a time. You know he fought for the belt against BJ Penn way back in the day and uh, got beat up in that one. But you know he hung around the top for a while, for a few years, and then you know this later part of his career is where he started to kind of just hang around the middle of the pack. And he's changed his style so much. <sighs> so here's where we're gonna get into like the the negatives. Um, this was so he beat his biggest win of this late part of his career is when he beat Mickey Gall. 
Yeah, that's true. That was a great win for him. Mickey Gall, no slouch. Yeah, for sure. And Diego kind of dominated him. Yeah. So coming off that win, you would think, okay, he has some momentum here. And then he leaves his gym. Which he, was uh, Jackson Wink. Yeah. And then he basically, so basically his whole corner scrapped. Yeah. And he hires Joshua Favia to be his coach. He's his, like a life coach. He's a life, kinda. his, his uh, what, like he does it, he's like his uh, rep- representation, mm-hmm. he's his manager, he's his friend, yeah. he's all this stuff. And needless to say, it's not really gone it's, well. It's been odd. It's been very odd. Um, there's been a lot of... In my eyes, in my in my eyes, when I watch it, I think CTE. That's what I keep thinking, and it's a very uncomfortable topic. So, topic, but I, or I think brain damage at the least. I just, I just don't think Diego. Diego's always been kind of a wild man. He's been so, in some barn burners. Well, and... even back when he was, you know, in his prime, he was still kind of a wild guy. Right. He wasn't like the most normal human being in the world. He was always a character. That's but for sure. it just seems it's taken a darker turn. And even though he's like, even on his Twitter post where he was talking about this being his last fight, he's saying it's time for him to spread like peace. And yeah, and he said, you know, this decision's more so for the health aspect of it now because he wanted to do more fights as of yeah. his last one, and he just maybe he's came to that realization. You know what? One more, one last two raw, and then start taking care of my mentals, you know, my health. His last win technically was in 2020 against Michelle Pereira. That was by disqualification. Uh, disqualification. Um, this is going again with the whole Fabia thing. Fabia afterwards saying that Diego's defense was on the same level of Floyd Mayweather. And, uh, you know, if you watch the fight, he was he getting got beat hit. up pretty bad. <laughs> he was getting beat up really bad. Um, yeah, it's just a somber way to kind of end, but I want to give him his respect because even though basically the area, the era I've been watching has been mostly negative for Diego yeah. Sanchez, but. The guy's done a lot for the sport. He really has. He's he's been a lifer for the UFC. Put on some great fights. You know, like I said, a character. Not not many people can say they hate, you know, Diego Sanchez. So I really hope the best for him here, regardless. And uh, you know, maybe they it's a favorable fight. Maybe he'll go out one last wild slugfest in his final fight. True. Lastly here. Oh. We've been getting a lot of Dana White interviews, and you know, we love some Dana love White. Dana White's media scrums. Um, he basically was asked about Nate Diaz. Yes, he was. And it was more so about if Nate Diaz would be fighting Tony Ferguson. Dana said no. No. That's not the fight. But. Yeah. What did he say? He said we are working on something fun in the lightweight At division. Lightweight, yes. For Nate Diaz. Nate's natural weight class where he looks his best. And said that people would love it. Yeah, so we were talking. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, I was going to say off camera, but we're not on camera yet. So off recording, yeah. you know. Um, what what could we be seeing here? What What's Dana hinting at? So, you know, we're looking at the rankings earlier. And we're just like, you know, what could it be? It's something fun. Um, it's not going to be Tony. Well, let's talk uh, about Another interview thought. came out. Go oh, ahead. Yeah, yeah, that's what you're... Yeah. Uh, another interview came out today with Paul Felder. Yep. Uh, Paul confirmed it's not him. So, you know, we're using the process of elimination here. What's going to be fun? They're going to put Nate Diaz in there with somebody that's going to scrap with him. So what are our options we thought of? No. Well, uh, I'm just going to say what I think my, What I think it's going to be. Oh, do I really think it's going to be? 
too late now. There's two that I that I'm thinking it's between, and people are gonna be like, "What?" I think it's either Justin Gaethje or Charles Oliveira. I know Justin Gate, and I'm actually probably leaning more towards Charles at this point. See, I'm leaning more toward Justin. Gaethje's ranked number one. Nate is unranked. And I know Nate's a huge star. And again, we've talked in, we've talked a lot about these rankings today. And UFC doesn't really follow them all the time. But Gaethje technically is probably next for a title shot once if Habib leaves the division like we assume he is. Right. But Charles is still kind of like, even though he probably should be, it should be him and Gaethje probably fighting for a belt. Yeah, that's what it should be. Him and Gaethje fighting. Or Charles waiting for winner of Conor Dustin. Yeah. But, you know, the UFC might want to capitalize on Charles Oliveira here as he is just went to a new level for himself and looked incredible in his fight against Tony. So maybe you put him with Nate Diaz and really try to build that star power. Yeah. Uh, before maybe he, if he wins, you get him. Maybe they're probably hoping he put him up against Conor McGregor. Yeah. And he's so a here, bigger star. here's my leap. Okay, um, well, I was, sorry. Finish. First. Just or on the reverse end, if Nate Diaz pulls out a big, the biggest win of his career besides the Conor fight, then you do him and Connor three. Yeah. So is the UFC, this could be a little wild and crazy, but I'm going to take you down the path with me. Okay. They're going to throw Nate in here with a top five, potentially if it's Oliveira or Gaethje. I'm leaning more toward Gaethje just because when Dana says the fun aspect, I think slobber knocker, Oliveira doesn't have the intangibles to make it as fun. I don't think as Justin, because we know what's going to happen if Justin gets in there with Nate. Oliveira could take it down, dominate on the ground, so on and so forth. We don't know. Not that Diaz can't beat Oliveira. But I'm leaning toward Justin. But here's my whole thought process. If Nate Diaz comes in and beats number one ranked Justin Gaethje, he's all of a sudden at least top five. I don't know if they'll put him right at number one, but he's top five regardless. With a win over the guy that just lost to Habib. And if Connor beats Dustin... This is saying uh, with Habib retired, by the way. They do the Connor Nate trilogy, which everybody wants to see. I want to see that. But they could put a belt on the line for right. it. Mu- I hate that idea. I hate it. But I mean, you can't, you when, can't, when you look into it. I mean, you really can't say it's not earned. That's true. If Connor if beats, beats a guy Dustin, with number one, Connor beats Dustin, who you have reaped his praises on for since we've done this podcast, saying he could be the future champ. He was the interim champ. Still ranked, what, second, third? Second. If Connor beats him... Connor's obviously next in line regardless. Well, I'm if just saying, wins. I'm just saying I think it's earned. And yeah, if, if, yeah. If Nate Diaz beats the number one contender... Well, I mean... As if the trilogy wouldn't be big enough already. Yeah, I mean, If just, they put a belt on the line for it... It's a lot of what-ifs. I, I also, there's also a third option here that's a bit out of left field, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold off on it. You can tell me off recording, off record. Yeah, sure. Okay. So uh, that's that's it for the news. It, it's time. Yeah. It's time. We're doing fights. We're, do, we're breaking down fights. This we're previewing true. fights. This is true. I forgot how to do it, though. Do you remember how we do this? Okay. It's been a while. So here's how we do this. Okay. So we got five fight main cards. Five here. fight main card. 
So first I'm going to break down or run through run through the yeah. fights we're going to talk about. Okay, okay. And then we're going to go one by one. One by one. And you're going to do your little thing. The notes. The nitty gritty. I think that's what yeah. it's called. You're going to do the nitty gritty. Yeah, yeah. And then you're gonna off your nitty gritty, yeah. we're going to give our analysis okay. and predict the fight. Predict the fight. So first up, <laughs> middleweight. Punahele Soriano Ooh, versus Dusko Todorovic. Uh, Dusko, hey, veteran of the podcast. Shout out Sid from Toy Story. <laughs> In a good way. <laughs> In a good way, yeah, of course. Second fight, also at middleweight. Joaquin Buckley, our winner for knockout of the year. Probably everybody's winner for knockout of the year. He said he's going for back-to-back. Going up against Alessio De Chirico. Third fight, welterweight. He's back. Santiago Ponza Nibio. Oh, if y'all forgot. Going up against Lee Jing Liang, one of the most underrated fighters in that division, in my opinion. Our co main event, also at welterweight. Oh. We got a legend fight. Yes, we do. Carlos Condit, Matt Brown, OH. IO. The yes. natural born killer. But I love The Carlos immortal. Condit. I love both guys, yeah. Matt Brown's a close friend of ours now. Yeah, we met him. Yeah, so. And our main event. The- Listen. At featherweight. Max Holloway versus Calvin Cater. The best is blessed, Dom. This is the... Listen. This is the perfect main event to welcome back the UFC. And to put on ABC. To put on ABC Network Television. First time since December 15, 2018. Kevin Lee, Ally Quinta 2. Yep. First time. Mm-hmm. And we got this main event with all those great fights on the main card. Oh, yeah. Let's go. All right. Soriano versus Todorovic. You know what to do. We got to battle the unbeatens, Noah. Yep. Someone's O. Has got to go. 185 pounds. Punahale. Punahale. Punahale is 7-0. Four KO, TKOs, two submissions. 2-0 in the UFC. One of those on the Contender Series. Uh, That win in the Contender Series was against Jamie Pickett. Uh, All six finishes in the first round. On the opposite side of the octagon, uh, Dusko Todorovic is 10-0, 6 KO TKOs, 3 submissions, also 2-0 in the UFC, also one of those wins on the Contender Series. Uh, fun fact here, we mentioned this the first time we talked about Dusko, he has a win over Michelle Pereira yes, back is. at SBC 19 in 2018, that was via TKO, and then got a TKO victory over Daquan Townsend in his most recent UFC bout. Six of his nine finishes have came in the first round. Undefeated for a reason, Noah. We say it all the time. And now we've got two undefeated guys. We're in for a low-key banger here to start the main game. I think so, too. I think this fight is supremely under the radar for a lot of people. And I get why. You know, these are two guys that are prospects. And we've broke down Dusko before, so we're more familiar with them. But... Do not sleep on Soriano in this matchup. Both guys undefeated for a reason. If I'm not mistaken, this was on If You Don't Know Now You Know with Dana Ooh, White. I have not watched so, that yet. So yeah. yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. If not for a little fight a little later in the card, <laughs> yeah. uh, I'd probably pick it to be fight of the night. I think it's got that much promise to it. I'm actually going Soriano here. Ah. Going against the guy that I know more about. Um, both guys, really, this fight can go either way. Uh a lot's going to be answered in this in this matchup because uh, we're definitely looking at both these guys like they're on the same level, right? Mm-hmm. Both undefeated, 
both very limited sample size in the UFC. Very good match. Very yeah. dominant in the UFC, and they've been dominant on the regional circuit. I'm going Soriano. Um, basically, purely because uh, that win he had at UFC 245, um, I just remember being very impressed by him, and now that was the last time we've seen him fight. He's had two canceled fights. Yeah, it's been over him. a year. One of those canceled fights against Eric Spicely, funny enough. Uh, but for Dusko, seen him more recently against Daquan Townsend. You know, Townsend was a guy who had had a really rough go in the UFC. He had never had basically, I think he had lost three or four in a row after mm-hmm. the Dusko, like with that Dusko loss. So the Michelle Pereira win is the most impressive across these two resumes. But yeah. Michelle Pereira, with the amount of losses he has in his career, has shown that he is a much better, different fighter now. I'm going to go Soriano. But do I see it going to a finish? Oh I mean, it's got to. See, I was originally going to go decision, but I I, I stirred away last night. It's got to. I'm going to go second round KOTKO. Really? I've got Dusko. Oh, wait. Oh. You already said it. I'm second, round, second round submission. What? Okay, I respect it. So I got Dusko second round. KOTKO here. I think we're going to see a really good fight. I think the first round is going to be a very aggressive feeling out process. Round two, the hands are going to get let go just a little bit more. And I think Dusko is going to be able to clip him, put him down, and go in for the finish. But uh, this really is a great fight to start the main card. I'm glad they both get that that main card spotlight on ABC. Mm-hmm. Two undefeated prospects. Love it for both these guys. True. Now we got Joaquin Buckley, Dom. They had to put him on the main card. Yeah, I mean, he's this is a guy that's really made a name for himself simply off of one huge, mm-hmm. one of the biggest knockouts you'll ever see. For sure. Uh, the most viral clip in UFC history. But since then, he's also, uh, he knocked out another big prospect. Yes, yeah. Uh, very brutally, I might add. Yes, he did. Um, he's going up against Alessio De Chirico. Go ahead. Yeah, another uh, middleweight. Uh, battle here. Joaquin is twelve and three, nine KOT TKOs. He's two and one in the UFC. Uh, wins over Impa Kasagane. That's how you say his last name, I think. Yeah, it's like Kasagane, Kasagane. Uh, that was, of course, the spinning heel kick. I don't even know what the hell <laughs> you call back that thing. Kick, I it guess. looked like something you see in a karate movie. Uh, and then the KO over Jordan Wright, also brutal one punch, set him down. Uh, and really, his only loss in the UFC was against Kevin Holland, who we know right now is just on an absolute tear. Scheduled to fight Derek Brunson next in March. Uh, and he lost that via TKO. And uh, I might add that that was Impa Kasagane's only loss in his career. Was that crazy kick that... Uh, well, that Impa has had shown a lot of problems. Impa's a very big prospect. Yeah. 26 years old. And I remember going into that card... We were ready on, to see That was Impa. on the prelims. Yeah. And I remember I said, shout out to Impa. Yes, you did. I said, because I, I really liked him yeah. on the Contender Series. Yeah. And I was like, I'm glad to see he's on this card. Uh, hopefully, you know, he, he may, has a big win. Yeah. Well, he went viral. Got put on a highlight tape. Yeah. And then, you know, uh, he has five, or Joaquin has five first-round finishes out of those nine KOTKOs. For Alessio, he's 12-5. and five. Uh, five KOT goes, four submissions. So both these guys have nine finishes out of 12 wins. Here's the thing, though. Alessio's 3-5 and five in the UFC. Uh, he's got a win over Julian Marquez. That was via split decision. He does have notable losses. He lost via submission to Eric Spicely. He has also lost to Kevin Holland. That was via unanimous decision. And then lost another unanimous decision to Zach Cummings. 
Uh, he also has five first-round finishes. Alessio came into the UFC 9-0. and mm-hmm. Now he's 12-5. and You see where it's just the step-up in competition. Some yeah. people can't handle it quite as well. I'm not saying he won't be able to put up a fight here, but after what we've been seeing from Joaquin, I'm not picking against him here. I'm going Buckley. First round, KOTKO. Yeah, I mean, when you're talking about that raise in competition, I mean, Buckley's not had a clean go at it. You know, when yeah. he was in Bellator back in 2016, 2017, he went 2-2 two and two in that, or 3-2, and two, excuse me, in that promotion. Then he has two big wins over at LFA, goes to the UFC, loses his debut to Kevin Holland via finish. Mm-hmm. Then has those, obviously, the biggest knockout that he's ever going to have and that you might ever see in the UFC. And then he had a, he followed it up with another very impressive knockout of Jordan Wright. You said five first round finishes. I say he makes it six. Yeah. Um, you know, Alessio de Chirico, I think the three straight losses when I was going through this stuck out to me and I was like, oh, okay, well this is, you know, this is a wash. This is just giving him another guy to knock out brutally or mm-hmm. in a highlight real fashion. And yeah, my prediction kind of speaks to that. But I do think uh, there's a chance that Chirico can at least show more than people are going to give him credit for. You know, he is he has won in the UFC. And Joaquin Buckley, while looking very damn good as of late, I'm not completely bought into him as being like a world beater, right, as like right. a... You know, I, I'm not so sure that he's like a top 15 guy even. Mm-hmm. You know, I know that he's only lost to Kevin Holland. But again, it's just, I, I he's very talented. I like Joaquin Buckley a lot. I like his attitude. I like his, his style. I think he's very technical, very, just a very well-rounded fighter. But I'm just, I'm, I'm not completely in right. yet. So I'm just saying there's a chance that uh, his name might overrate him in some people's eyes in this matchup. But I'm still going to go first round KOTKO. I think that's a it's a smart call, but we'll see what happens there. Who knows? We could be in for another highlight real finish, too. Yeah. And now here's the fight that's probably the one that intrigues me the most. You know what a fight getting slept on. This is a fight that intrigues me the most because I'm just so unsure of how it's going to go. Yeah. Santiago Ponzinibbio is back after a two-year layoff, over two-year layoff. Against Li Jing Liang. Yeah, this is a great fight. I mean, Santiago is really, at the time anyway, this has been over two years since he's fought, but he was one of the best welterweights in the world. Yeah. I just think people forgot about him. We're going to do a quick refresher here. He's 27-3. and 3. 15 KOTKOs, 6 submissions. He's 9-2 and 2 in the UFC with wins over Sean Strickland via unanimous decision. TKO Court McGee. Uh, decision victory over Zach Cummins, KO'd Gunnar Nelson, another decision over Mike Perry, and then the brutal KO over Neil Magny in a headlining event. That was his last UFC fight. Uh, his notable loss within the UFC was against Lorenz Larkin. That was via TKO way back in like 2014, if I'm not mistaken. 2015. 2015. Uh, Santiago has 14 first-round finishes. He's coming into this fight on a seven-fight win streak. But this is a perfect way to welcome him back mm-hmm. because Lee is 17 and 6, 8 KOTKOs, 4 submissions, 9 and 4 in the UFC. He's got wins over Diego Lima. That was via KO. Uh, he's got a decision victory over Frank Camacho. He KO'd uh, David Zawada, who's fighting on one of the cards next week. I don't remember which one. I got, I think, well, 
thought it got dropped. It may have. was originally scheduled. Uh, and then notable losses to Jake Matthews via unanimous decision. And then has also fought Neil Magny, but unlike Santiago, came out on the losing end in a decision. And Lee has six of his ten finishes uh, in the first round. This really is a intriguing fight for a lot of reasons. It's a very good matchup to welcome back Ponzinibbio because Jing Liang is underrated in my opinion. I've been basically I've been watching him for most of his UFC career. I mean, I I just I, he was always on those main cards on those fight nights and. Uh, putting up big wins, and then the Jake Matthews fight, which was uh, on UFC 221, that was on the main card, uh, he lost, and it was a back-and-forth fight. Uh, he did get into a little bit of controversy due to the fact that it looked like he was kind of eye-gouging a little bit. Uh, Matthews kind of cooled, cooled heads afterwards by uh, saying, like, hey, you know, the emotion can get the best of you in here, like, no, dis- no bad blood. All that. Love Jake Matthews. Cool guy. Uh, but he's bounced back big, and then obviously he ran into Neil Magny, and it's kind of been the story of Jing Liang's career is, you know, he, he'll he'll look incredible against some of these guys that, you know, maybe are outside the top 15, but once he's given that, that higher-level competitor, mostly Neil Magny and Jake Matthews, he doesn't quite look the same. Right. He looks a little more hesitant. He looks a little... He just looks like he's always one step behind. Like he kind of lets his opponent dictate the pace. While for Ponzinibbio, that's a guy who always dictates the pace. He's gotten it done against those big names too. And yes, it's a very unfortunate kind of what's happened to him with that two-year layoff because his last fight against Magny, where he was so dominant, was in Argentina, which mm-hmm. is where the first ever UFC event in Argentina. It's where Santiago's from. Yep, and he was a superstar on that night. Oh yeah. And you could tell that they were wanting to do something similar to, with him that they did with, like, Wei Li Zhang with China. Yeah. So it's unfortunate. But the bigger question is, we know how good Ponzinibbio was, but how good is he now? Right. Exactly. Two-year layoff, mostly due to the fact that he was... What, what was it exactly? That he, he's had lingering injuries, and then he had, like, a real bad bacteria infection. Yeah. I mean, he's went through some stuff. He's went through, went through some shit. And now when you have shit like that going on, guess what? It hurts your training. Yeah. It hurts a lot of things. He's going to be 34 now coming yeah. into this. So we kind of are, like, at the tail end of his prime here, at least if you go off of age. Right. Uh, 27 and 3. You know, he's he's had a couple losses in the UFC, but those were very early on. He's looked incredible ever since. But I'm going to be honest. I am. I, I you're really, not trusting what you're going to say. I see. really like Jing Liang. I do. And I don't want to pretend like I only think he's going to win this because of the layoff. But I do think that. Uh, I think we're going to see a compromised Ponzinibbio, a potentially even a shell of his former not self. Not the same, yeah. Um, for all, it could totally, you know, I've, we don't know. I'm, I just think Jing Liang is a very tough opponent, and I think that he's going to get a win here, the biggest win of his career. I'm going to go by decision. I think it's going to be a good fight. I'm not necessarily think, saying that Ponzinibbio won't look good mm-hmm. or won't have his moments, but I think considering where he left off at in 2018, it's going to be a stark drop back. Right. And, you know, he, for all, more time can go by and he can earn that status again, but uh, I think he might have a further climb back up the ladder than maybe we all want to think he does. Right. Yeah, um, it's it's a good point you all make. I mean, 
are we going to see the same guy that was so dominant on the seven fight win streak looking like a, a future champion at the time this fight's going to answer those questions on Saturday. I am going to go with Santiago, but I think we're going to see a really close fight, a very competitive fight, very technical uh, in all aspects of the game. I think he pulls out a decision. Uh, could be even like a two-to-one. Heck, could be even be a split decision. But I think it's going to be close. But I think he's going to want to really make a statement here in his return fight. Yeah, I. some people might think this fight is going to be like a banger, like a fight of the night type thing. I'm not quite sold on that either. I think both guys might be a little too hesitant. You know, Jing Liang tends to get that way against these these higher level opponents. Ponzinibbio, obviously, ring rust, uh, two year layoff. Is he the same guy? It's, right. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Maybe it'll be. <laughs> hopefully, it's just awesome. Yeah. You know, hopefully, I'm wrong. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it though. You know what? You can guarantee won't be boring. Co-main. The co-main. Boy in the main, but we'll I'd, li- I'd like to think it won't be boring. <laughs> yeah, legend fight, people. It is. It really is. Carlos Condit, Matt Brown, two aging legends, potentially the last fight of both of their careers. Yeah. So, I mean, we start the card with two back-to-back middleweight fights. Now we got two back-to-back welterweight fights. Carlos Condit, Matt Brown. Carlos is 31-13, and 13, 15 KOTKOs, 13 submissions. 28 out of 31 via finish. That's just ungodly. 8-9 uh, and nine in the UFC. Crazy to think about. That's due to his five losses yes. in a row. Yes, it is. Um, now, he's been through the ringer. This competition, as you're going to hear, is very, very top level. I mean, yep. he's got wins over uh, Jake Ellenberger, TKO'd Roy McDonald, KO'd Dan Hardy, uh, got a TKO over Dong Young Kim. Got a decision victory over Nick Diaz. TKO Tiago Alves uh, have a dis- has that most recent win over Court McGee. That was via unanimous decision. The losses. Hello, George St. Pierre, one of the best to ever do it. That was via decision. He lost a decision to Johnny Hendricks. Got TKO'd by Tyron Woodley. Lost a split decision to Robbie Lawler in that title fight. Fight of the year. Uh, was that 2015 fight 2016. of the year? 2016 oh, um, fight of the year. Yeah, yeah. Uh Got submitted by Damian Maya. Uh, made it, had a two-year layoff, then returned to fight Neil Magny. Uh, lost that via unanimous decision. Got submitted by Alex Cowboy Oliveira. And then his most recent loss was that submission to Michael Chiesa. 21 of his 28 finishes have come in the first round. This dude knows how to finish fights and finish them quick. Other end of the octagon, our good friend Matt Brown, OHIO. 22 wins, 17 losses, 14 TKO, 6 submissions, 20 out of 22 via finish, 15 and 11 in the UFC, so many fights, wins over Steven Wonderboy Thompson via unanimous decision, KO'd Mike Quick Swick, KO'd Mike Pyle, TKO over Eric Silva, submission win over Tim Means, KO'd Diego Sanchez with that elbow, woo, that was nasty. Mm -hmm. And then KO'd Ben Saunders in his most recent bout, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he, he's or he's a, coming he, off a loss, yeah. but his most recent win. Uh, lost to Chris Lights Out Lytle two times. Once at UFL back in 2007, and then once in the UFC. Both of those were via submission. He got submitted by Ricardo Almeida. Uh, went to a decision with Robbie Lawler. Lost the decision to Johnny Hendricks. Got submitted by Damian Maya. TKO'd by Jake Ellenberger. KO'd with a nasty head kick by Cowboy Cerrone and then lost to uh, 
uh, Miguel Baeza. Baeza, which the fact that they even put him up against that kid is just that's just mean yeah, because really. Baez is a straight killer. Yeah. He lost that via TKO, and then nine of his twenty-two finishes or twenty finishes, excuse me, have came in the first round. So, um, I'll start with Matt Brown. The Baeza fight, he actually looked pretty good in round one. Yeah, it was competitive. The fight ended eighteen seconds into the second. So Baeza. I, I, Baeza landed a crazy shot, and Brown just folded. You talk about a dude that's on fire right now? Baeza. So, Matt Brown is a very underrated guy, I think, as well. Uh, People forget that loss to Robbie Lawler was a title eliminator. Matt Brown could have fought for a belt, and then he lost to Johnny Hendricks right after that. Yeah. So he was at the top of the heap just five, six years ago. Obviously, it's been a bit of a drop since then because after those two losses, he's went three and four. And if you count those two, he was three and six. So, he's had some really high points. You know, that Diego Sanchez elbow. Oh, Ooh, my man. Gosh. Turn back the clock with that Beautiful. one. Beautiful. But then you have, like, the Donald Cerrone knockout head kick. Oh, just man. Ridiculous. And that was four years ago. That was when Cowboys really hit in yeah. stride. Carlos Condit, however, ever since that war with Robbie Lawler has just never looked. And I know that that's a killer's row, but you're coming off of losing the belt. A fight that some people say he won to this day. And then you lose to Maya, which Maya was on a roll, got a title shot soon after. Lost to Neil Magny, lost to Alex Oliveira, lost to Michael Chiesa. So you just see that, like, that, that war with Lawler... Robbie Lawler, man, <laughs> once again, you know, you look at those those two big title fights he had with Rory McDonald and then uh, Carlos Condit, neither of those two were ever the ever same. Ever the same. And really, Robbie <laughs> wasn't either after that. That's true. It's just, man, like, those wars just took so much out of those guys. And uh, luckily, Condit did have a big bounce back against Court McGee, who's no slouch. Uh, very composed win, a very nice yeah, win Yeah, he looked for good him. in that fight. Um, so so here we are. We're two guys who we would, I'm believing are at the very end of their career here. I mean, we're, really, the loser of this could, for all we know, retire. Even I, the winner. Both guys I could mean, retire, yeah. yeah. So I'm going to go Carlos Condit. Yeah. Um, I trust his chin more. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And that's going to be my reason for picking him. And I, Carlos Condit, 28 finishes and 31 wins. I'm going to go second round, KOTKO. I'm also going Carlos. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm also going KOTKO. I'm going third round. Okay. I think it's just going to be such a great battle. Those first two rounds, we're going to get into round three. Both guys are going to be a little exhausted. He's going to be able to land a shot on Brown, and we know he's had his fair share of knockout losses. Uh, I almost wanted to go via submission, but I'll stick with the KOTKO here. Um, what a fight, though. I mean, really, this is a fight years in the making. This is kind of that one that got away, especially back when they were both in their primes. Never yeah. got it. Uh, but we're getting it now. Better late than never. I do think they're going to deliver. They're going to put on a good show for the co-main. But, uh, yeah, I've got Carlos here taking the win, uh, ultimately. Let's move into the main event. The Blessed Express rolls on, my friend. Max Holloway versus Calvin Cater. We're riding the Blessed Express until the wheels fall off. Give some respect to Cater. What's I know. The, what's I know, the what's the what's their uh, the New England cartel? New England. We cartel. ain't talking about a gang either. <laughs> We're talking about a bunch of straight 
killers. Yeah. Rob Font showed that. Yes, he did. Go ahead. Oh, shit. Right into it? Go ahead. Max Holloway. Max Blessed Holloway. 21 wins. Six losses. 17-6 and six in the UFC. He's got 10 KO, TKOs, two submissions. Wins over Andre Feely via submission. Uh, submitted Charles Oliveira. TKO'd... Or, I'm sorry. Submitted Cub Swanson. TKO'd Charles Oliveira. There we go. Uh, decision wins over Jeremy Stevens and Ricardo Lamas. TKO'd Anthony Pettis to become the interim champion. Then goes up to fight the featherweight king at the time, Jose Aldo. Beats him once via TKO to win the undisputed title. Granted the immediate rematch. Yeah. Done it once. Do it twice. TKO's him again uh, immediately after. Then makes that second title defense against Brian Ortega. Just a master class performance there by Max. Ended up getting stopped by the doctor at the conclusion around four. Just a masterful clinic he put on in the striking realm. And then another title defense against Frankie Edgar won that via decision. Max was on a 13-fight win streak from January 4th, 2014, uh, up until December 8th of 2018. Made three title defenses, 14-fight win streak as a whole in the featherweight division. However, some of these losses, he lost to Dustin Poirier twice, once uh, back at featherweight back in the day via submission and then when he went up to lightweight to challenge Dustin for the interim lightweight title those guys went to war that night Dustin got the best of him comes out with the decision victory Uh, also lost a split decision to Dennis Bermudez way back in the day lost to the notorious Conor McGregor via unanimous decision and as we all know he's on a two-fight skid right now coming into this lost the belt to Volkanovski uh, the first time via unanimous decision. Gets the immediate rematch this past July uh, at Fight Island and loses a split decision that a lot of people, including myself and I think Noah, mm-hmm. thought that he won. But I digress. We move to the blue corner. Calvin, the Boston finisher. Cater, 22 wins, 4 losses. He's 6-2 and two in the UFC. 11 KO, TKOs, 2 submissions. He's got wins over Andre Feely via decision. TKO'd Shane Burgos. TKO'd Ricardo Lamas. KO'd Jeremy Stevens, which started with a elbow that, ooh, it damn near rearranged his face. Then a five-round war, which we already mentioned, with Dan Ige. That was also a headliner at UFC Fight Island 1. Mm-hmm. Uh, went all five rounds there. Looked great the entire way through. And then the notable losses... He lost a decision to uh, Hinato Moicano and then lost a decision to Zabit Magomed Sheripov in a fight that he was coming on very strong in that third round. And had it been five rounds, who knows what could have A very rare three-round main event. Yes, but uh, again, I don't want to go into what-ifs. It was a loss, uh, but not a bad loss, obviously. (sighs) This fight is perfect. Perfect. It's a great. It's a great main event to put on ABC. It's a great main event to welcome back the UFC. And we got two guys here that are, um, in very different places. Yeah. So we're seeing Max kind of in the first. For he's in an odd spot for the first time since he lost back to back to Bermudez and Conor McGregor, which was 2013. Yeah. And like you said, he did not lose again until that Poirier fight. Well, guess what? Now he's lost three of his last four. Yeah. 
And say what you will about the second Volkanovski fight. I said my piece. You said your piece. He lost. And that was both for the belt. He lost the belt to Volk. Lost the rematch. So guess what? You're not giving him a third fight. Right. He's here with Cater. Volkanovski's probably going to fight Ortega at some point. He did have the win against Frankie Edgar in between there, but Frankie Edgar should not have been fighting for the belt. Just keeping it real. They gave that to him based off what he had done and not what he was doing at that time. But right before the Poirier fight, he had the biggest fight of his career against Ortega where he looked like the best pound-for-pound fighter in the whole UFC. You know, and I remember going into that fight being very nervous. I think a lot of people were counting Max out. If we were doing that podcast back then, I would have picked Ortega. Right. I really believed in Ortega. Still, I mean, obviously. Well, we do, yes. I do believe. I'm just saying at that time, I really thought Ortega was going to be Man, Ortega was undefeated at the time. Fast-rising prospect. Finishing everyone. And and even with his hands. Yeah. Knocked out Frankie Edgar. The first guy ever. To knock out Frankie Edgar. And Max, I mean, look, it was an awesome fight. Brian had his moments, but Max, Max put on a show. Unbelievable. However, again, three of his last four losses. Yeah. That Poirier fight in particular, look, I, I get it was a war. But he lost four rounds. He lost four rounds. Yeah. And Poirier's an awesome, amazing fighter, so like, it's nothing to scoff at. But it's, he's in an interesting spot. Yeah. In that he's in an awkward spot. Yeah. And that he's got kind of this, almost like, either way, if he wins or loses, like, what's next? You know? Yeah, that's true. While Cater is surging right now. Even, Cater really, in my opinion, has nothing to lose here. Even with, with the Zabit loss, it's like he won. Yeah. Because then you give him Jeremy Stevens and he puts on a highlight reel of a knockout with that elbow. Oh, my gosh. That elbow was disgusting. Then the Ige fight. Ige... Not a lot of people were too excited to see Ige in that main event. It was a great fight. Ige showed a lot of heart. Yeah. Cater was on another level. High pace for five rounds, too, man. Just his striking, so crisp, beautiful. So matchup-wise, stand-up war. Oh, yeah. You got two guys that are probably the two best all-around boxers. Probably the two best strikers in the division, yeah. What do you think? I think we're going five rounds. I do too. I, I think, I think. Listen, this fight's happening on uh, January sixteenth, two thousand twenty-one. We're going to be talking about it December thirty-first, twenty twenty-one, as a fight of the year candidate. That's Ooh, what I think. Nice. I think these guys are going to go to war. They both have so much to prove. Yeah. For Max, he's in a he's in a hell of a spot here. Like Noah said, lost three of his last four. Even if he wins, does he even get a title shot? I mean, at this point, if you're Max, you're rooting for Ortega. That's your best shot to get the belt after this. If Volk can beat Ortega, then Al- or Holloway's in a really weird spot, even if he wins this. For Cater, this guy is so underrated. I don't think people realize how good Calvin Cater yeah. is. Um, and I mean, imagine if he got that win over Zabit. Zabit is, I don't think he's lost in the UFC. So, it's very tough. I think we're going to see so many beautiful just displays of striking here. Both with that precision with the patience, but at the same time, the combinations that they can put together, both of them, can put you to sleep just like that. But I think we're going five rounds. And I think the veteran expertise, the championship mentality is going to set in. I'm going to go Max Holloway here. I think he has a huge chip on his shoulder, and that's going to be able to carry him to a win. Whether it be three rounds to two, four rounds to one, five to nothing, I think we're in for a treat. Max gets the win, gets back on the right track, 
And for Calvin, like I said, in my opinion, nothing to lose here if you're Calvin Cater. Yeah. You're getting put on the, the national television, main eventing, Fight Island, Max Holloway. Uh, and Cater, by all means, could win this fight. I'm not doubting him or you know pushing him to the side at all. I'm just siding with Max in this instance. Yeah, I mean, you're a huge Max fan, so I, I, like, I know that you want to see him bounce back. I mean, everybody does. Like, you know, nobody really wants to see Max lose here, even though we don't necessarily want to see Cater lose here. Right, exactly, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I'm nervous for Are you a little skeptical of Max? I'm skeptical for Max, not because I think he's lost a step, nothing like that. But, again, even with the win here, I don't, like, it's hard to really see when he can be fighting for a belt again. And not that you can't stay motivated and have that chip on your shoulder like you're talking about, but he's going up against someone. Talk about a chip, a guy with a chip on his shoulder. Yeah. Calvin Cater's felt counted out. He's felt all those things. And he's and he's a guy that's never been in that that limelight. And never. I'm sure he's feeling counted out going into this one. And this is his biggest opportunity here on ABC. And he can earn a title shot undoubtedly here with a win, too. For like a for sure. I think, anyway. I'm going Calvin Cater. Via decision. We're going to see a war, aren't we? We're, I think we're going to see a war. I think it's going to be very close. This is close. fight of the night, by the way. Yeah, fight of the night. I think it's going to be very close. Um, it's going to be a, gut, a gutting loss to not just Max, but to the MMA community as a whole. I do think this is Cater's moment. I think this is his opportunity. Coming out party. And I think he's going to take full advantage of it. You said a guy with nothing to lose. Yeah. There's nothing more dangerous than a guy with nothing to lose. That's true. And uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I think Max loses this, and I think he's going to go fight Nate Diaz at lightweight. (laughs) (laughs) All righty then. (laughs) So, not – so, he'll he'll be okay. (laughs) You're gonna have to take the show for a second. <laughs> yeah. uh, you just really so yeah. It doesn't. It does. I, I honestly, when this fight was first booked, I said, "Oh, this is a great bounce back for Max." I was like, but then I kind of, you know, did my, my little more research on Calvin Cater and just kind of watched back some of those, the Jeremy oh, Stevens fight, good, man. the Zabit fight, um, the Ige fight. His honestly, when you're talking about a boxing like this, gonna mm. be boxing. Mm-mm-mm. Cater does have the pedigree step above max like we're talking straight up just boxing for sure yeah and i'm not saying that that's all it's going to come down to i'm just saying that max is going to be the better when it comes to the kicks the knees you know all that so that's so that's kind of where i'm at right now um go ahead and prove me wrong max you've done it before but that is that is it that is ufc on abc one yes yeah I'm so happy with this main event. I just I can't wait. Mid, uh, this is a middle of the day card, by the way. Yeah. Uh, kicks off at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time here in the U.S. Is that the main card or the main prelim? card kicks off at 3 p.m. Eastern. Prelims start at noon, if I'm not mistaken. This is all Eastern Standard Time, mm-hmm. but uh, nothing like some daytime action. I know. I actually kind of like it. UFC 254 with yeah. Gaethje. I really like that. I like yeah, being it. Really, able... just throws your shit off for the rest of the. Day. It does, but <laughs> I kind of like that though. Yeah, I, I was. You get done that. with fights, and you can still go do things. It's not yeah. one in the morning, you know. Sure. But again, yeah, check out those fights. You can watch the main card on ABC, people. Yes. Please support it. This is this is a very big deal. I don't think people are realizing just how big this is. ABC. 
network television. Tune in. You're not going to want to miss it. Even if you can't catch the whole main card, you're going to want to tune in around 535, because that's when the main event will be kicking off right. on Fight Island. So I'm uh, going to go ahead and talk about the rut all of next week, basically. <laughs> the just um, explosion of content? Yeah, so Monday we're going to be recapping all the fights we just broke down here. Um, that'll be coming on Monday. Tuesday. Yeah, that's right. Tuesday. <laughs> we are previewing Neil Magny versus Michael Chiesa. UFC Fight Island 8. That's happening on Wednesday. That's yep. The card is. Yep. The episode comes out on Tuesday. Thursday. Yeah, Thursday. You heard it. We're recapping Magny versus Chiesa and all the rest of those main card fights that will break down. Friday. The granddaddy. UFC 257. Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier, too, along with the just awesome... Star-studded cast on the uh, we'll be main pre- card and prelims. We'll man. be previewing that card. And then Monday, January 25th, we will recap that pay-per-view in its entirety. And, you know, I think you you want to go ahead and mention what we're, we already got in the books cooking up for next Wednesday. I think it's okay to mention okay. it now. Get it out early, you know? So this would be Wednesday... The 27th. Yeah, yes. Wednesday the twenty seventh. Um, this is a gonna, fun one. We're gonna do a special episode. Yeah, because uh, we won't technically have one right next week. I hope you guys can understand that <laughs> with our. What else do you want from us? Uh, but we're coming back in a big way. So we have this series called "The State of." Yes, dot, dot, dot. this will be the second episode of that. Yeah, so Damn. the first, the premiere of it was the State of the Men's Flyweight Division, and uh, here, like I said, when we talked about this concept is that it can kind of be as big high scale as small scale about an individual about a division an organization about, a promotion, yeah. about the sport yeah about the fans about anything yeah 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 Dude, uh, no, we're doing the state of conor mcgregor and the great part about this is it's after his fight yeah we can't it's perfect we were originally planning to do it before this, this wednesday yeah, yeah and then three cards and this boy yeah this works out perfect. Yeah. So we're going to do it after his fight, and I think that's probably better uh, just because... The, the air will be... The dust will be settled. Yeah. Uh, win or loss. So there'll be What's, what's going to be next for Connor? You know, it, this year, next year, you know, so much to discuss. Uh, we're going to talk about gonna... everything that his career has gone through, you know, the lead up to where we are. Yeah, I mean, as crazy as it is, we've been doing this now since August, we've not really talked about Connor... At all. Not I mean, he's much. been in some news. He's just like talking about You know, about the him, most like, I remember talking about him was in the Mount Rushmore video. Yeah. I put him on my Mount Rushmore, so I had a chance to talk about him. But this gives us a chance to not just gush about, you know, the good. There's some bad in there, yeah. too. And depending on if he wins or loses, we'll have a direction. Yeah, and I mean, even what, what we don't mention on the Monday recap will be mentioned on the Wednesday yeah, episode. Of course, so. of course. So that is the schedule. Write it down or... Follow us on Instagram and Twitter, and there's a nice little graphic there to dominate. Yeah, you can just save that graphic, you know? You go ahead and know the whole schedule. But until then, Dominic, tell the good people where they can find you on social media. You can find me on Twitter, on Instagram, at Deasley14. You can find the podcast on Twitter, on Instagram, at B-A-J underscore MMA podcast. And as for me, if you go to my bio on Twitter or Instagram, at NT Baker underscore, you'll be taken to our link tree, which gives you the links to all the platforms that the podcast is on, along with our social media platforms. So that includes the Twitter, the Instagram, the YouTube channel, along with Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. And 
Here's a couple links from our Anchor page on there. Uh, we love Anchor. The first one, recording a voice message. We want to hit this hard yes. in 2021. Yes. So if you have an opinion or a thought on a fight, on a news story. An idea for an episode. An idea for an episode. Or if you just want to say hi or tell yeah. us how much we suck, you can do it there. Preferably not the latter. <laughs> and there's a link if you want to become a supporter of the yeah. podcast. And that just provides us with a few dollars a month and all that money goes back into improving the audio quality or down the road doing a video podcast. So again... You can find all of that if you go to my bio on Twitter or Instagram at NTBaker underscore. But with that, we're out. And we're going to see you all on 